Hey, hey y'all. Welcome back to Cups of Anxiety. I'm your host, Michelle. And I'm your other host, Autumn. Thank you so much for tuning in once again in this episode. We'd also like to thank you for all of the comments and the input and the stories you guys have shared. We just want you guys to know that that's going to help us to continue to discuss deep subject matters on our podcast. We hope that you guys have been having a great week. And please, as you're listening to this, make yourselves comfortable, sit down, and have a drink with us. Michelle, what are you having today? I am having a very berry tea. I think it said cranberry and raspberry, I think. I probably should have went for that because what I really decided to drink instead was blue Hawaiian punch, and I'm like damn near finished with it, so that's going to be great. <laughs> Honestly, if you start bouncing off the walls, it's just going to make this episode more fun. No, because we're actually talking about something deep. Okay. I know, I know. <laughs> so today's episode, we're actually going to delve into a more serious subject, um, not that our previous subjects haven't been serious but this is yeah this is a more personal um experience and it's actually a conversation starter for a lot of the people that i talk to about it um because not a lot of people know about it or have heard someone in the same or like from the same story so Today's episode is going to be about my experience of being an Asian kid in the foster care system. I think that's going to be really interesting because like even though Michelle and I are friends, this is going to be the first real time I'm going to hear the nitty gritty of this. Like I'm also here to be nosy, but, (laughs) but, but I do think it's interesting because up until like literally before i've met michelle any friends that i've had that have had experience in foster care like um i didn't really think too much about their race but now that you know michelle's going to discuss it it's it it made me really backtrack and think like wait a minute i don't know that many asian people who have ever been like through the foster care system and i think that's going to be kind of important yeah so there's a lot of things that go into this subject the reason why i pointed out that i was an asian in foster care is even in like media like movies and things the actress or actor that they're going to pick that is supposed to portray like a foster kid is probably and i don't think i've seen it yet an asian kid and it stems from truth because when i was in the foster care system my own caseworker told me herself, she was like, I've never dealt with an Asian kid and I've been working in this field for like over 10 years or something like that. And, you know, uh, so I was in foster care when I was 11 years old, I think 10 or 11. And I just, at that moment, you know, I'm only 10 or 11 years old. So like, it, it doesn't really like settle in with me that I was not only different, but that I felt kind of alone because I didn't have anyone to relate to or like all of my foster sisters and brothers were of other minority or actually there were some white kids as well but um just in general I did not see myself and so 
it, it does I'd, I'd like to point out that i wasn't asian foster, asian in foster care because it's just everyone i've told this story to they're just like no you weren't like there's no way like but then when you actually experienced it like from when you were young you've had people literally tell you like it's so weird to see an asian person in foster care like like you telling this story to other people people will act like no it wasn't but like your actual experience was like people looking at you like you were funny because you were asian in foster care exactly and the middle school that i was transferred to apparently my parent my foster parents they they foster even till this day it's been 10 plus years I'm, i'm sure they've been doing it before they met me as well and when i had went into my middle school my classmates actually knew the other foster kids that my parents had taken care of wow so, that's a okay, yeah small town yeah and so all of them were like are you really a foster kid because like they could not fathom that you just can't wow this because like you know uh, not to be like uh what's the word kind of pointing out the races but most of my foster sisters and brothers were like black hispanic and like I said, I did have a set that were white. Right. Uh, but just in general, wasn't Asian. Uh, you probably had people point that out to you, right? Yeah. And so my teachers, who also knew that I was in foster care, also they, every elder, every person really was like either in awe or like in disbelief that I was in foster care. <laughs> and like, no, I, I, I you know what? I don't have that experience, but I can see why you want to highlight it because you wouldn't be highlighting it in the first place if those people in your lives didn't like act surprised Pikachu faced. Yeah, because like I thought not that I thought it was normal, but you just didn't think that you'd ever get have to feel that way. Right, because like the more I the more I got questioned, are you really in foster care or the more I was like like everybody was in disbelief i was like yo am i the only asian person in foster care Cause yeah like- you're like you you didn't you don't like people don't really think about that stuff until everybody else keeps pointing it out and now you are pointing it out in your own head like oh wow i really am but honestly why don't you um start by i guess talking about your overall experience from like the beginning and like to the as much as you're comfortable with yeah. like how did it happen you so know? a lot of my uh foster care brothers and sisters they would tell me like how they got there um and unfortunately i mean a typical story goes like parents were abusive or you know they were on drugs or they're alcoholics something basically, extreme basically unfit to like take care of their children which is a very common story yeah uh and then um that's how they got into like child protective services and then they that's how eventually got into foster care i felt so weird because yeah my mom was mentally unfit and that's who was i was living with at the time um but i mean i generally had a roof over my head my parents weren't alcoholics or like druggies or anything like that they were generally good people it's just that my mom, of course, yes, kind of like mentally ill. Um, so did not- it surprise you? Because um, it, it seems like because uh, like I remember being a kid myself mm-hmm. and, you know, um, around that age, like having a roof over my head and all that stuff. And just thinking to myself that 
there are certain bad things that just won't happen to me. I don't know if that's what you thought, but did it take you by surprise when um, you ended up in the system? So um, I, I actually don't think I told you this part of the story. So before I got put into foster care, they reach out to your family members first. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And I have one aunt on my dad's side that lives here in Texas. And then I have my grandparents on my mom's side that live here in Texas as well. Um, and the thing is, uh, my aunt is, my aunt on my dad's side is pretty old. old. Yeah. Uh, and um, she was never uh, kind of home because she was either like out doing things, uh, basically retired, you know? Yeah. So um, she decided not to take me and I'm, I don't I don't hold a grudge against her I'm just saying that's, it, that's, that's how just it how it happened and then um my grandparents had the choice uh because yes they were also elderly but my uncle who was um probably in his 40s uh has no kids no obligations had a good job things like that uh, was living with them so it was an option for me to go live with them and because of the history of my mom's parents with my dad my grandparents were like we don't want anything to do with her it was me and my brother by the way i know i don't talk about my brother but it was also me and my brother oh so um so basically they were like the both of y'all can't stay here because they had beef with your dad they took yeah. yeah 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 and so um and my my grandpa is like kind of like the typical old-fashioned patriarch of the family you know like everybody listens to him and he was the one that was more like yeah they can't stay here whereas my grandma you know she's more maternal so she's like kind of like maybe she was like oh don't be harsh yeah yeah and so anyways but so essentially my grandparents were like no and then so that's why I eventually got into foster care because I didn't have like a next of kin. I didn't have someone to take me in. Basically. Like nobody that was any, that was considered extended family. family. Yeah. Yeah. Wanted to, damn. Yeah. And so, um, long story short, my mom got sent to like a, ver- like a semi, like half rehab and then just half like nursing home kind of thing rehab oh not because God. she was on drugs or anything it was just um recalculation of her prescribed medicine because okay uh she was like really bad at staying on her meds which is again kind of the reason why that did not help yeah and so um yeah and then i went to like cps which is child protective services and so just like within 48 hours my life went from I was in middle school in A-Leaf and prancing and dancing with friends. And then like literally a caseworker shows up to my elementary school and was like, hey, I'm going to take you on a road trip. And I was like, oh, that's fucked up. And and not she didn't say it like that. But, you know, she basically was like, hey, I'm here to pick you up and withdraw you from school. Um, Wait, but. Okay, wait, no, I'm so sorry. I feel bad for thinking this because this is a very, 
I know this is pretty deep, but you know how they always talk about like, you know, you shouldn't talk to strangers when and when adults try to give you like rides yeah. or whatever. How does that apply to CPS? So the thing is, like, she had all her paperwork. And, you know, in order to withdraw me, I'm sure she had to show them, like, some Okay, sort of... okay, because I was going to be like, wait. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, but, like, when I when I tell you, like, in my point of view, talking to this caseworker, right, like, it was as if this lady was, like, stealing me from school, bro. She was just like, yeah, I'm going to withdraw you. Oh, so you were just thinking, yeah, I'm going to get out of school. And you got, no, legit. And she was like, I'm going to withdraw you. And then, like, I'm going to take you somewhere. And I was like, okay. Because, like, you know, <laughs> she, I was like, she's the adult in the room, you know? Like, so, I mean, if she says I got to go, I got to go, you know? <laughs> and so this road trip was to the CPS building here in Houston. And it's actually pretty nice it's it's like an office building but so you weren't like scared when i was not scared but i was wondering like why i was going like this has nothing to do with me (laughs) right like i was just like did i win no i'm not i'm joking but like in a sense i just didn't necessarily know why yeah um and so i get there they have like a whole playroom you know like they have toys and everything so i'm like i'm not in a word in a sense like i'm not scared yeah um but then a lady another lady comes back into the room or comes into the room and she's like so we tried contacting your dad and we couldn't get to him um and so we also tried contacting your family like your extended family and one of them's busy and then one of them clearly told us that they don't want to take care of you and i was like oh. probably had so many questions so many questions and i was like okay so like what's gonna happen to me and my brother um and they were like so we're gonna send you to a family to stay with them for a little bit see the thing is they don't tell you how long they just told you they just told me a little bit so i'm thinking oh like God. maybe a night maybe a few nights who knows you probably right? thought you're just having a sleepover and then you'll just come back home be when on it, your dsi again or something. right something like that and um, so they actually take me and my brother to two different houses because the house that I was Oh, going wait, they to, separated y'all? Yeah, they separated us. <laughs> and so, uh, I think because my brother was older, they, he went to like an older children's home and okay. then I was with more of like the, the 10-ish, like younger aged group. Um, but we lived near each other. It was like maybe down the street from each other. And so I was isolated and I remember in the phone, I mean, I remember in the car, they had asked me, so the family that you're going to, they're African-American or they're black. Right. And is that going to make you uncomfortable? Is that, do you want me to find you an Asian family? And I was like, honestly, I don't know what to like expect and I don't know what I want. So I'm just going to go with you is basically what i told her yeah and then we arrived there and it's a nice house and you know my foster mom at the time she's i mean not that at the time but my foster mom she's super nice i mean i have my own bed and like it's a nice house and you know compared to like my apartment living and you know as an asian it's kind of sad to say but like i come from like the lower class lower like 
like less than middle class yeah very working class family so to go from like apartment life to sharing a bed with parents to having my own bed and like living in a house like i was just like i'm good like i'm great (laughs) my you know it's so i guess i would say it's so different to hear you talk about this because I've heard people talk about their own experiences and you recounting yours just kind of reaffirms that, you know, there's so many different ways the system handles different types of children because I'm over here thinking that I'm ready to hear a story about you being in the trenches, but like it i guess it wasn't like that for you at the time so yeah i have i definitely have a lot of opinions on foster care as a whole so in terms of like where i was staying i've heard i also personally have heard so many stories from different sets of brothers foster brothers and sisters where they tell them or they tell me that like they've been to other homes where they like get abused or not just actually if they're not abused maybe sometimes they're just neglected because uh foster parents will take care uh will take advantage of the system just to help pay for their bills or whatever and yeah like they're not doing it out of the kindness of their hearts they're doing it for a check and you can just do whatever right thankfully of course i was not one of those kids but i just feel so bad because i know kids that were from those kinds of homes and um so yeah like I I genuinely, like, I still actually keep in contact with my foster sister and her mom, like, and my foster mom to this day. So I'm actually very thankful of the whole experience. Because you've made lifelong relationships. Yes. um, And then, like, the whole thing, like, um, in terms of race, like, I'm not going to lie. When I was a little kid, I was actually really scared of black people just because of how my parents made it out to be, like, how they, you know, they tell you, like, you know, um sometimes they're criminals and you know like things like that they, they try to like fear monger you and yeah. so in that age i was still kind of scared so when i first met my foster mom and her family i was like i kind of like hid in my room for a couple days honestly you know you were at a stranger's house yeah and it wasn't it wasn't anyone you knew and you were basically being told you have to live with them for a while that can be I don't know if jarring is the word for it, but it yeah, can be like, that for anybody. Yeah, because, like, I mean, I'm not joking you. Like, they didn't even let me t- take a bag. Like, I literally had... Wow. I didn't have any, like, of my old clothes or, like, my... I basically had my backpack, I think, with me. That's it. So, basically, you only took with you what you happened to have... At that day were, at school. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, it was just, like, again, like, I, I say it's, like, Within 48 hours, my life had changed, but that's literally what it felt like. Um, so I had a smooth time because, you know, I was an easygoing kid. After I hid in my room for a few days, I got to know everybody, and I'm very friendly. I'm very nice, so, like, I didn't cause any problems. Um, my foster mom was actually the person who actually kind of taught me how to do chores. Not that I didn't help at home. It was just not a priority, and... You, and you learned a lot from this woman. Yeah, yeah, I did. And I will say, I thought Thanksgiving dinner or Thanksgiving meals in general was that really dry turkey that they served you at school 
with the canned cranberry sauce. Oh, that was awful. You with you like mashed potatoes on the side. <laughs> and so like that's what I thought Thanksgiving was supposed to be like because that's what they served you at school for but, like and, and we're Asian so we don't have Thanksgiving so it's not like right. so so that's all. <laughs> so that's what I thought Thanksgiving was. But lo and behold, living with my loving uh black family, I had the best the best Thanksgiving I've ever had. Like I have never had a better thanksgiving than i don't remember what year it was but that year was the only year i had a great thanksgiving because it was the thanksgiving that they talk about on tv shows where it's like literally it like the warm. whole family comes over somebody brings something and you know black people they know you they don't have they know how to cook they know how to season food and like in general like i've been to um you know thanksgiving potlucks and i've been to other parties since then and nobody has topped the way my foster family did it and i i am now sad because every time thanksgiving comes around i'm just like do i text her if i can come over because (laughs) oh my god you could you you could literally honestly i feel like you could i feel like you could pull that i just haven't done it i just because i'm just shy but like i've just every day every thanksgiving that's passed since 10 years ago i've just been like i am missing out <laughs> that that honestly that sounds so great because i'm not i'm, I'm thinking to myself this is this is very this is kind of heartwarming actually like because I don't, I, I don't like Thanksgiving because I just kind of think it's a fill-in holiday. I kind of think it's a filler holiday. holiday. Yeah. But you do make it sound like it is something I would celebrate because that kind of sounds fun. I'm telling you all, like, if you ever get invited to, like, a black family's Thanksgiving dinner or, like, lunch, you're not going to be disappointed. Like, I, I mean, if you, if you do get disappointed, I owe you $20. Like... <laughs> Don't say that. They gonna take that shit seriously. <laughs> That's a disclaimer, y'all. Yeah, but I mean, like, cups of anxiety will not reimburse you. <laughs> but yeah, it, I, I'm joking. But like, also, like, I'm so serious. Like, I've like that Thanksgiving dinner changed my life. But also, in general, there's so much thing that I learned. Like, I mean, the whole misconception again. Like, you know, being Asian in the foster care system. Did your own parents, like foster parents, make a comment about that? Yes. So, again, like I said, my my foster parents had been foster parents for a while. They had never seen an Asian kid. Me or my brother. They're like the first. They saw you and was like, damn, this is our first one. This is like the rarest Pokemon you could come across. (laughs) Fuck. (laughs) Like, literally. And like and they were just like amazed they were like how did you get here and i'm like you know great question because honestly at the time i was like i don't even know they were probably like are you sure you're not lost you even belong here yeah so the thing is my foster mom even though she uh obviously was taking care of me she was genuinely questioning she was like are you here by accident wow because i was joking but that actually (laughs) because like she was like you know like the kids that i normally take care of like you know they come from drug addict homes or like alcoholic homes or like abusive neglective whatever yeah and so 
You did fall into at least one of those categories. I did, but like it wasn't so severe where I was like, yeah, I can't live with my parents. And that wasn't just me being like complacent. Like I genuinely... That's how you felt at the time. Yeah, like I mean, like I genuinely was okay compared to the other kids' stories is what I mean. And so honestly, it had me thinking at that age. I was like, did I? Because Jesus... (laughs) Oh, my com- my story compared to these other kids is nothing. Honestly, I I like that you're opening up about this because again, I'm I was expecting to hear like that's probably my own ignorance for, you know, not really fully understanding what the foster care system is like and only having heard like atrocious stories about it. Right. And not that saying, "Oh, you're making it sound like it's great. It, that just happened to be your own experience and you just, you know, probably happened to get lucky with a really decent family. Yeah. I will say, though, if we're going to get into the nitty and gritty, that is also the probably the climax or the turning point of my understanding of mental health, though. Really? Yeah. Uh, be- okay, that makes sense. Because, like I said, the first few days, I kind of just hid in my room. I was not scared, but I was just like, how long is this couple of days supposed to be? Um, Your body and mind is like out of place. (laughs) Right. At the time, I was very attached to my dad. So I was like, when can I come home to my dad? I was just like, kind of just felt out of place. And foster care within those two years that I was in foster care was actually the first time I ever went to therapy. Oh. Uh, not. I think it was because they required it. Yeah. But just to like see how you're doing or whatever. But I didn't realize what I was holding in until like I had that child therapy session. Um, because I was severely depressed that I was away from home. At least that's what the doctor told me. I mean, I kind of see it too. And I was, that's actually, it's not the first actually, but it was one of the times where I was suicidal. Oh, sh- because, and you were like 11. Yeah, so it was a little later on. It wasn't like right off the bat when I had like first arrived at the home. It was like maybe a year into it. It I just kind of sunk in. I was like is this the life I'm going to be living? Like, my, my foster parents depressing. were great to me. Don't get me wrong. It's just, I was like, am I really going to be that kid that grows up and, like, can't see their parents? Like, I got visitation, like, every two weeks or something like that to see my dad. But like jail? Kind of. Kind of. <laughs> that's kind of what it felt like. But, damn, like, it was depressing in a way because, like, again, I was attached to my dad. So, like, I, I, I was feeling like I was never going to actually get to live with him or see him again. Yeah. And um, and I was suicidal not because, not because, like, it was unbearable. It was more of, like, I didn't know where, where my life was going to go after this. So things kind of seemed bleak. Yeah. It was just, like. I didn't have a clear path. I didn't know what was going to happen to me. I didn't know, you know, what's what if I'm in this foster care system for another five or ten years? Like, it's it was so boggling for me, especially after a year it had settled in. Um, and my 
foster mom was actually one of the first to notice that I was depressed, which is like, you know, growing up in an Asian household, like if you're sad, your parents probably don't care. <laughs> um, unfortunately, like they won't really notice the passive signs. And so like for my foster mom to be like, hey, like, are you okay? Like, hey, like, do you need help with this? Or like, is there something I can do? And I was like, not used to that kind of personal care. Wow. Yeah. So when I tell y'all, like, it was like a pinnacle part of my childhood. Traumatic, yet insightful. Uh, at the same time. So that's another thing that I actually wanted to get into is how did the experience of you being in foster care, how did that shape you and how is your life you know post foster care as you are now so how did it shape me i think it opened my eyes definitely to a lot of kids you know i thought about this a lot during covid actually um you know how like they were having kids stay at home to do like their classwork yeah and you know even internet companies would provide free internet so that the kids could do that I was thinking to myself, there are probably children like me who went to school to escape home life. Not that my parents were abusive, but I did genuinely like going to school because that's where I could flourish, find friends, have some happy time. You can really have that at home, the energy yeah. of who you were at school. And I know there's children out there that have abusive, neglective just bad parents in general and so it made me think like there are children out there like that and it's so sad because some of those kids end up in foster care and now I I kind of like always think about it and I it kind of like in a way how it shapes me in my personality is like I would never want to put my kids in a situation like that like if my kids go to foster care or like in general into like government agency like i have failed as a parent or that's how i would feel and i feel like some parents obviously shouldn't be parents because <laughs> that's like way too young to feel incredibly helpless yeah not that all foster kids are all you know going to have bad experiences but it's a very flawed system and and again like you, you know you discussing your revelation uh makes me realize that that kids like they're very young and it's easy for as easy as it might be to maybe make them happy or laugh or get them a new toy, it's also just as easy for them to feel like suicidal or like the future is bleak. Like to be that young and have that much change in your life is going to shape you and who you are mentally as a person. Yeah, because I honestly, I feel like... <laughs> Not to, like, kind of dumb it down and, like, make it small, but 
it was you know i call it my emo phase and like my gothic <laughs> my gothic phase right but genuinely that whole time from like fifth to like eighth grade was like so dark i legit thought like i was gonna die young because like i don't i didn't think i was gonna make it through the whole heartbreak trauma all of that see i know some people might hear this and think you're being like dramatic but i feel like a lot of people don't understand that when you're that young and something that drastic happens to you every waking day that it continues to happen to you you're going to always feel like it's the end of the world yeah and of course that probably is the root of or is some sort of root of all of my anxiety and (laughs) just mental not necessarily issues because like not everything that's with your mental health is an issue right um so most of it's a journey so you're processing it i would say very maturely and you seem to think a lot about children or not even just children but how everybody acts you know yeah because like i'm honestly sometimes like i'm a karen i'm just like yo like if i see like a bad mom in public i'm instantly thinking to myself yo i got accidentally called on for cp and she but still has really, her child that's, yeah but i'm like <laughs> this lady really don't need kids (laughs) or like you know it could be a mom in walmart just beating her child with a barbie doll and (laughs) nothing bad happens to them exactly and i'm just like one day i hope i mean not to wish bad luck on nobody but i hope your kids get the parenting that they need yeah i hope it's so sad to it's if the, for me, the thought of ever witnessing a kid in that situation, you know, is like, and it's not like you can like take care of the kid or whatever. To see that, all you can do is hope that that child heals. Yes, because the more I get older, the more I realize life, yes, it's about living, but a lot of it is about healing. <laughs> okay, so that statement kind of made me really sad so (laughs) wow we oh god oh god i think i might start crying she took it there i didn't oh my i'm sorry y'all i'm so sorry oh my god (laughs) hold up (laughs) i know i'm actually getting wait no no i'm actually upset now (laughs) oh hold up (laughs) you okay yeah i'm fine like i'm not gonna like burst into tears or like flip over tables like i'm not angry or anything it's just i'm so sorry why you took it there oh my god it's i mean you go through foster care see how you feel i'm joking you too old for that i know like i I, I mean well somebody would think that i'm not i'm young enough to be in there i am not but again i i don't have i am very that's very true and you know another thing is um growing up you know with the whole stereotypes yeah there there's the funny ones about asians right but there's always been this like generalization that like asians are the model minority right i was just gonna like literally i was just gonna bring that up but i was like oh wait no it'd be too fucked up to talk about you know model minority and you know like you know we're supposed to be like the smartest and in terms of minority like the richest and the most successful or whatever probably have a decent home right and don't get me wrong 
there's a lot of us that have that sure but but they don't have that because they're asian they just have that because of hard work or whatever yeah Yeah. or whatever you know and so yeah and you know sometimes it baffles people when i tell them like oh my god this has to be another episode because like it, it baffles them when i tell them because at one point in my life i was homeless y'all yeah so i went from being i'm joking not it wasn't foster care first and then homelessness it was like way before then i was homeless and then years later was when i was in foster care so like when i tell you i've been rock bottom uh so when i was homeless we stayed at a shelter uh and it was like it was just me my brother and my mom because it was like a specific program for homeless women and children yeah and so my dad went to go live with his sister who again lives in houston um and he like worked enough until he could like save enough money to like get an apartment yeah and so like legit when i tell you there was days i didn't go to school because i didn't have a roof over my head or transportation or anything like that like that's my rock bottom and like people are always like well i mean they look at me now and they're like oh she's had a great life you know she probably has like the best life slash childhood and they can make they'll make so many assumptions about the career you have your race or whatever yeah and i'm just like let's talk for like 15 minutes i'm about to blow your mind (laughs) yeah like (laughs) See, and it it probably makes it worse that you are, you know, a, 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 I don't know if you considered yourself this, but a successful Asian woman in whatever you're doing right now, because like, you know, I I, I don't know if you get a lot of, I mean, I, I got a lot of misconceptions about how you got to where you got to, but Nadi, aside from just that, I think that like during this conversation i was literally thinking about you know the whole model minority thing and being a foster kid definitely does not fit into that model minority thing and nothing about nothing about most asians lives are very model minority ish because think about it like model minority stuff is very like uh is very like oh you know Asian families tend to be either um, middle class or higher and maybe even rich and that they're all smart and that they, you know, they either have money or that they like work really hard and nobody imagines that an Asian person could ever possibly be where you've been. Yeah, like I had a friend, was it a friend or an adult? It was somebody they were like you're never going to see an asian person on the street and they they had not known my story at the time like and you were like i was on the street and i was like first of all legit a couple weeks ago i saw an asian man like who was homeless so it's not impossible right and then secondly like (laughs) the fact that that person had said that and i was like well (laughs) Because, no, because it sounds like a harmless statement, but it's actually, it's laced with so much ignorance because it's an implication of like, oh, Asian people are successful. You'll never see one on the street. I've met 
I've, I've I've had at least three different Asian homeless men knock on my car window begging for change. Le- legit, <laughs> legit. And so, yeah. Um, and then, like, it was just a whole life-changing, semi-traumatic part of my life. But I think my biggest takeaway from it all is that, yes, it, it actually made me stronger. Okay. Would, if I had to relive my life or, like, relive that moment, would I have done it or would I have chosen to do it? Like, if I had a choice, I don't know. Because I feel like it is a, it is, like I said, a pinnacle part of my childhood where it was, like, a a growing phase. Like, I, I, was, like, I was in a growing phase. Like, it was taught me a lot. And... I don't know if I would have done it again or not because like would I have saved myself the heartbreak hope my dad would have answered the damn phone when they needed them. oh you said that with so much energy <laughs> I felt that <laughs> uh when they needed him to but you know like and then you know my dad also I give him a lot of shit but he did have to go through a lot of process that's why it took so many years to get us out they made it very difficult for him to prove like his income and his housing and um, that he's not abusive and that he's not alcoholic. There was a lot of tests that he had to go through and oh my God. like, you know, like I'm not saying he was not doing his part. I'm just saying like it was hard for him. It, it was hard for everyone in that um, time. Yeah. My God. Yeah. And then what's funny, not funny, it's it's kind of funny, I guess. Like, his wife at the time, he had just met her, like, maybe six months prior to me going to foster care. Great. That's so, great. <laughs> like, she was, like, thrown into the, into the fold. <laughs> it's like when you start a new Netflix series and then you accidentally start on season two and then you just get all of this, all of this crazy stuff happening you didn't even ask for any of this yeah i'm pretty sure she was like i did not sign up for this <laughs> uh, i mean she's great she's great she was a great um she just didn't expect that she right. just expected you know slow beginning what is this right right <laughs> um yeah so i will say it definitely the whole experience made me stronger um and you okay so that that so this is an experience that you take with you at your core in most things that you do yeah i definitely think it the whole experience as a whole too really i was already a nice generally nice person beforehand but something about experiencing other people's stories which i mean if you can kind of reach uh, is kind of what I'm still doing today. Um, you know, like hearing other foster kids stories really got to me. And, um, you know, my own story gets to me. Like, honestly, I could write a book about it. Um, and like hearing other people's stories, like our entries or just people's lives in general, when they tell you the the sad and not the glimmering parts of their lives, it it's uh it's very valuable to me i feel i think that's beautiful because something that happened to you when you were young a lot of people 
really underestimate a child's experience or when you have something that you hold dear to you from when you were a kid but again I've said this in this episode already a lot that when something drastic happens to you when you're very young that does something to you in a way that you don't get to experience life in the same way that an air quotes normal kid would get to experience so yeah and like there's some happy things i mean not that i had a bad experience in general but there were some happy moments like some generally cool moments that happened in foster care as well so like god had to give you a w somewhere 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 (laughs) and so you know because i grew up so i guess you could say like low income you know poor um the trenches the trenches um Uh, my parents, yeah, sure. They sang me happy birthday every year, right? Maybe bought me like a Walmart cake. I'm not ungrateful. I'm just saying that's how it was, right? Um, but in foster care, they kind of make an event out of everything just to make you, you know, try to feel a little better. Oh, wow. So okay. for birthdays, they really try like celebrating your birthday. And then for like, again, like I said, Thanksgiving was amazing. But that's just because I think that's generally because of the family that i was with and then christmas too so every christmas throughout my childhood i'm not joking you ever since heelys was a thing i told my dad i want a pair of heelys never got those heelys not i'm not i'm not ungrateful i'm not saying like anything bad i'm just saying that's just how like my childhood was like you know i never really ended up getting anything maybe a couple dollars for christmas you know yeah or like my other rich relatives maybe would get me something, which is fine. Um, but so when I got to foster care and it was Christmas time, they were like, you know, name three things that you would like. And I had already seen my previous foster sisters and brothers kind of write down what they got. And um, one of my foster sisters, she actually wrote an iPod, you know, Ooh. Okay. And I was like, ooh, maybe I should write something like that too. Um, but, you know, because they're on a budget, they got her like an MP3 player instead, which is great. Like, I'm, I'm not saying we were ungrateful. I'm just saying that's kind of like how they would kind of do it. Yeah. And so my head ass was like, I want a Monsters High doll. <laughs> and, um, and I thought I was going to get like a dollar store Barbie or something, you know? You know, because like of the of the comparison, like she wanted an iPod, like a she got an MP3 doll player. smushed in the cargo, right? <laughs> Something like that, and legit, like they, cause, cause they wrap it for you and everything. Like they take their time to like go buy you these gifts and whatnot. And so when I on Christmas Day, cause I'm weird and I like to open presents last, cause I'm dramatic, I guess you could say. <laughs> I opened the present thinking it was gonna be a dollar store Barbie. And it was a Monster High Soul. You got High exactly doll. what you asked for. Yeah. And wow. And I was like so incredibly thankful, like was amazed by the whole experience. And then obviously my foster parents, who did not have to, uh, they also got us presents as well. And wow. so, yeah, it was just like genuinely like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure I got the more good end of the stick than most foster kids get but like i just genuinely felt supported and like in a in a in a time where 
things like this can be very traumatic, I was definitely supported by my foster family. I like that you're highlighting that there's nuance in what happened to you, the foster care system. That, you know, you're obviously saying it's not a favorable system. It's not something that you'd ever, like, suggest or glorify. But, you know, the not just the process but like there were some, there there were some moments of you know light and it's really nice that you had that in a very bleak time yeah so yes it made me a great or it made me the person who i am today but <laughs> i'm just like yeah maybe that way but like did i have to go through that like did god really have to do that i mean you were like 11 fighting for your life like legit that's not normal like i know a lot of it is common for a lot of 11 year olds to be constantly fighting for their life but but that should not be normalized yeah and so that's my story i think i covered it all i think so okay um what did my story teach you oh you're asking me that yeah you're asking me yeah wow oh i feel so oh my god you guys i feel so put on the spot (laughs) okay um i actually learned a lot not gonna lie well i think i learned every time i have a conversation with that's like you know deep or whatever i feel like i learn a lot from the person and not just the person but the experience itself and when I talk to Michelle, when I talk to you, yeah, I always feel like I'm learning something. But what I learned specifically from this is that is it's wow. I don't even okay. Let me just make an attempt here, <laughs> okay? Because there's a lot to unpack. But I feel like what I've learned here, one at the top of my head. This world is ass. This world is terrible. Like the way that everything is built is just awful. And when you have people in it that aren't good people, you know, it just makes. Yeah. Anyways. So the second thing I feel like I've learned from your experiences is that um, I learned like, okay, you know how people always say kids are impressionable, but that's basically just a sentence. Yeah. I feel like the term kids are impressionable it's a very it applies and impacts more than people think because it's not just that kids are easily influenced but that if something happens to you as a kid you are going to carry that with you for the rest of your life and i think a lot of people don't like really think that um another thing i feel like i learned here is that basically even if you know, you get into certain situations that are historically known for being not great, but you feel like, you know, you didn't suffer as much. Um, That doesn't really change the way it's affected you mentally, because I can still see that, you know, even if you feel like you were thrown in this situation, but that everybody else had it, you know, worse, that might be the case but it still doesn't change that it's shaped you in a way that has made you more empathetic and kinder to people again you already were that when you were a child but again i think like again 
drastic thing happens when you're a kid that really shapes you and i another thing i, f- I hope this is gonna be the last thing i have things in my head <laughs> about like this so comment. many things yeah 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 uh i guess another thing that i feel like my brain highlighted during this conversation is just that god throws you a bone every now and then i don't know how many of the listeners believe in god or whatever i, I i'm not the strongest about it i just kind of use god as a placeholder but anyway it's not the point i feel like life it throws you a bone every now and then if you are experiencing something so bleak and i say that to say there are little moments in life during the parts of the bad times that again i'm not saying oh bad things happen for a reason because I don't personally believe that. But what I do believe is that you can find comfort in the small good things in a really, really bad situation. I don't think that's something that I feel like is something that I would encourage people to constantly do. Because again, I don't really appreciate this idea that uh, you have to constantly fight for your life to be happy in this world. But what I have gathered and learned from what you talked about with us today is that, and it kind of applies to things that I've gone through, even in the, even the bad and traumatic things in my adult life, every time something bad happens and you just, you might think it's the end of the world, there's always a secret back door in your mind that you can go to for comfort and maybe your back door was the christmas presents that you got yeah yeah and i i always try to promote that like i mean life will throw you many hardships but if you continue to think of how many hardships you're gonna go through and like all the negativity that you're gonna have to finally or like eventually come to you're going to live a very dark and unhappy time and you're always going to be fighting for your life who wants that so i do advocate like you know think of those happy moments in those dark times hold on to those crumbs as hard as you can yeah because that that's the thing that's going to bring you sanity see that that, sorry i'm so sorry that was what i was that's what i was trying to get at yeah because like i was because i was like how do i word this in a way that doesn't sound like oh life sucks just hold on to like the one good part yeah because like a lot of people will ask me the same thing like they're like how do how do you manage to be so cheerful and happy even though with all the things you've been through and i'm like what did you expect me to be a sad little bitch like i don't know like, like all the time like just reminding people every day is a bad day like, I mean, because there are people out there like that but like oh, i God. choose not to be i just wrote this in a in like a little segment that i wrote on social media the other day like life is too short to focus on anger and drama like um That's or fair. sadness like it i would much rather live my life thinking of the happy moments or like thinking of things that yeah, it makes me feel better. Um, and so, same thing. Um, I'm actually, like, really interested to see if anyone out there is kind of like me, has been like me. Because to this day, I actually have never met another Asian foster child from the system. Yeah, sure, there's, like, Asian people that were adopted, like, 
you know from china or like you know in general in like from white Asia, families or whatever but into, that's like that's that's a different category yeah that's very very different <laughs> um I, I would love to hear from y'all too but like in general like i've never heard of another asian from the system so i genuinely would like to know if there's someone out there i am going to echo what michelle said if you are asian and have had a similar experience to you know what michelle talked about this is your time to shine it's your time to shine baby yeah <laughs> it's in that link tree <laughs> 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 well not well you can know you you guys don't have to use the link tree or the um the forum you could literally dm us we're always checking our messages twitter uh i know autumn got me on that twitter so <laughs> <laughs> yes yes i will be checked i have the twitter <laughs> yes so we uh always try to engage with our audience and we read everything um we haven't had a bad comment but i'm sure we'd read that too and yeah so i i genuinely love sharing stories and not just my stories but i would i am planning a lot of things to um, in the future share other people's stories as well so yeah yeah we'd love to talk to y'all <laughs> yeah all right Let's... so oh no you're good i have three sips <laughs> three if i reach hard i have about three sips of blue hawaiian punch <laughs> left we can still cheers with this yes yes cheers to cheers to um Finding the light in really, really, really drastically dark moments and using that to shape ourselves into adults we can be proud of. Like, I'm sure you're proud of yourself, right? Yes. And not just proud of myself, but becoming the person where I do like hearing other people's stories. Because like I said, in previous, multiple previous episodes, someone's out there to listen and I just know that people hearing this story there's gonna be someone that either relates to this or is going through something similar and i just know that it's going to help someone out there yeah you guys will always have a friend in us yes so cheers to that cheers well Well, hi bye yo let's do that one more time hi bye yo And if you liked this episode, please share it with your friends, follow and rate us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want to follow us on our socials, it's going to be at Cups of Anxiety, spelled A-N-X-I-E-T-E-A. Bye, y'all.